welcome to the People Experience podcast. Today's podcast is going to be on a subject that I personally think is often omitted from conversations around diversity, equity and inclusion, and that is menopause. Um, Just to give everyone listening a bit of context, there was a joint study from Bupa and CIPD which found that 59% of working people with menopause reported that it had a negative impact on them at work. One in four menopausal people considered leaving their job due to those symptoms. And the same CIPD Bupa survey estimated that 900,000 of them had already done so. As of September 2022, 65% of employers say that they do not provide any menopause-specific support, which I personally just think is staggering. So for episode 7 of the People Experience podcast, I'm going to be talking to Kate Usher, who is a menopause and gender equity consultant, on what the menopause can mean for people at work and how companies can do their bit to ensure it isn't a huge barrier to success. So Kate, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Oh no, thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. So I think for a first question, I I really just want to give people listening some context and you're a fantastic person to (laughs) to do that because you're so closely involved with these things. What are some of the biggest issues that the menopause can cause for people at work? Okay, so there's a wide range of symptoms, um, over 40, and they impact people um, in every single aspect of their lives. And it impacts the way that they show up at work, and it impacts the way that they do their work. Um, And some of those symptoms are extremely personal, and you would never know that they were going on, but it doesn't mean that they aren't impacting people. But definitely, it affects the way that they do their work. So things along the lines of anxiety, depression, panic attacks, we're starting to talk far more about those than we have ever done before. And we're starting to see that sometimes, well, quite frequently, they're the ones that come up first. We're also starting to talk more about the loss of confidence that comes with so many symptoms. Oh my gosh, there's a whole range that impact women and those who experience it. Because of course, this is not just women, it is also some non-binary people and all trans men. So it's absolutely, when they they start to impact people's lives they do with some some enormous effects so there's things along the lines of um, difficulty concentrating memory lapses and just to be completely clear here I have a list in front of me because um, this is one of my symptoms memory lapses and uh, difficulty concentrating that's very much part of menopause and also loss of verbal recall so you start talking and then oh, oh my goodness, what was I going to say? I can't remember the sentence. I can't remember the subject. And what happens with these sorts of symptoms is people silently step aside. Mm. They step away from their potential. They step away from their careers. And for some, and it's about one in 10, they leave completely, which is catastrophic for not only those who are leaving, but also for business as well. Yeah, and kind of around that silence thing that you're talking about, I definitely want to kind of 
discuss why it isn't more of an open conversation in businesses. One of the statistics that I was reading in my research that was really worrying to me was that 56% of managers and employees are reluctant to talk about the menopause at work. Why do you think there is still so much taboo and, and silence around it? We have decades, if not centuries, we have decades of social conditioning around what women are at this phase in their lives. In fact, um, if you think of every single female role in plays, TV, in the cinema, on the radio, over the age of 40, they are all negative. So if you think about the ones from your childhood that you saw, so the ones that I saw in the 70s and 80s most definitely were, 90s and the noughties, it's starting to get better now. But all of that conditioning about what women are at this phase in their lives is never positive. And the other part of that is, is, those roles are very rare indeed. We tend to just disappear in media. We're not seen. So um, women come up to the point at which they're having children and then we reappear as old women later on. So it's a hole in which, first of all, people are scared that they're going to fall into, so disappear completely, or that the person on the other side of the desk or the breakfast table is going to think that they're one of those older people with all those negative connotations that come with it. And that's driving a lot of what's going on there. But secondly, we are, my generation is, the only the third generation to experience menopause en masse. Mm. So my grandmother, who was born at the turn of the last century, she was the first, or they were the first generation to experience the menopause en masse. But before that, we died, essentially. Our life expectancy was such that we died. But what happened was that menopause was right at the end of their life expectancy. So it was perceived as an end-of-life experience for old women. Mm. However... Then came our mothers, and our mothers were taught not to talk about it. And then they taught my generation not to talk about it. But all of a sudden, my generation are the generation that are now in the workplace. We've had an education, we've fought for our careers, and we're now in senior positions. And we're not ready to give that up just because of menopause. So we are the first to have a, an education en masse, first to get a career en masse, first to have our children while we're building that career and now we're the first to have our menopause but we're still using the referencing from our grandmothers so we're still seeing it as an end of life experience so we have all of that knitted into the term menopause that's so interesting it's also not something that i had even considered that i mean the age at which people are perimenopausal or menopausal isn't changing but as our life expectancy is increasing it's just gonna you know stretch out longer and longer that we might be in the workplace while experiencing those symptoms so we have to educate around it and on, on kind of that note what do you think some of kind of the keys are around 
educating managers and you know people higher up in workplaces around these issues what would you say some of the kind of the key ways of doing that are first of all this is it's always about awareness changing uh, people's perceptions is always about awareness so it's understanding what menopause is and that explanation that I've just given about uh, sort of generational understanding of what this is and the fact that we haven't talked about it until this generation and then suddenly all of a sudden we've got people who want to talk about it that discomfort has to be managed that discomfort has to be displaced and it's all about this is what menopause is these are the facts around this it is not you know it's about winkling out those those stereotypes about end of life experience it's a middle life experience at the moment and that as an understanding that it's you've got on average if you take average ages at the point in which you start experiencing symptoms you've got an over 20 years of career left to go and you've got half a life yet left to go so we're not at the end we're in the middle mm. and it's a pivotal moment in our lives but for managers it's about understanding that this is not what we were told it was mm. this is something very different indeed and that those people who are experiencing it are at a at a junction and if they want to keep those skills on board if they want to keep those skills within their workplace then they absolutely have to change the way they talk about this and i mean like you said earlier you've got a list of 40 plus symptoms there some of which overlap with what we might have thought as um kind of characteristics of someone who's maybe just not and i'm saying this very much in quotes (laughs) competent like if you think about someone who's you know forgetful who has brain fog but in those cases that's a symptom that comes along with it and companies have to be equipped in order to deal with people who have totally brilliant brains but whom are going through a transitional yeah. stage at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and, and kind of outside of, of policy um, and education, culture really matters at work. And I know you've kind of discussed before the kind of flippant comments and and language that that can be used jokes that are sometimes made about menopausal women women at that age how important do you think education is around kind of the way that people people speak about it oh gosh it's massive because if you want a diverse workplace, if you want a diverse senior leadership team, if you want an equitable environment, you have to have an inclusive culture. And if you want an inclusive culture, then you have to listen to what's being said and how it's being said. It's those micro aggressions, the micro statements, it's the looks, it's the small things that make all the difference in whether someone feels that they are welcome in that space, Mm. whether someone feels as though they can be themselves in the workplace, whether they can actually even say, this is a problem and I need some help. Because if you've got a culture within a team that's belittling towards age or towards women of a certain age, which is a statement that is used so frequently, 
if you have that situation, then people are not going to come forward and say, I need support. Mm. You're, what you're doing is you're putting up barriers that say you're not welcome here. Don't even ask, don't even try. And that's one of the reasons why many leave at this point. Uh, the menopause for most people who experience it hits at a point where you are potentially going to be going going into those senior level roles. And yet we sometimes see that there's kind of a mass exodus of predominantly women um, at that point. Do you think that the menopause, I feel like you might, <laughs> is, is a contributing factor towards that? And and if so, what what do you think kind of the result of that is for businesses? Okay, so if you think when you join at the milk round, there's probably a 50-50 split between men and women. And as you go up, through your career and into parenting you lose a whole raft of women um, and many don't return because it's too difficult or because again it's not an inclusive culture and then by the time you get to menopause so you have this huge cohort at the bottom of women but by the time you get to menopause that's much reduced and these these particular women, because we're, we're talking about women in this particular instance, are very focused, very driven, very capable, experienced, able, networked, amazing, incredible individuals. Without question. They have fought their way to the point that they are. Now, menopause often occurs at the point that you're just going for partner, you're just going for the senior role in projects, whatever that might be. It might be that you're going for exec or exec minus one, minus two, so you're in the sort of penultimate push before you get into that the C-suite. And then suddenly you get this. And it can feel like too much because so much is expected of you to prove yourself you're only as good as your last project you're only as good as the last thing you did in that kind of sense and also because of the way that it works with sponsorship and mentorship if you are turning up on a day-to-day -day basis in a different way it can impact the relationship with your sponsor who is the one who is talking about you when you're not in the room who is saying I think Kate would make a fantastic you know, exec at this level, or, you know, she's in the next two years, I think she'll be perfect for that. Um, if they suddenly start to think, well, I'm not sure, because they're just behaving differently to the way they were. I'm not sure they can do that job anymore. And if I put them forward, then my reputation's at risk. So they're not talking about you. They're not promoting you you don't have the confidence in your abilities that you once had and then suddenly it's a downward spiral it's mm. like snakes and ladders you can slide silently down the snake and just disappear essentially for people who've managed against odds to leave you mentioned having children as an example of this and potentially are at points in their career where they do have a lot to lose 
I know it can be tempting to stay quiet on these kinds of things. Do you think it's important that people going through menopause are vocal about it? Absolutely, 100%. So we have a few things going on here. So awareness does not just mean up to a certain level. Awareness means from the post room to the boardroom. Mm. Everybody needs to be aware of it. And an inclusive culture needs to be in the boardroom as well as everywhere else in the organisation. Misogyny is misogyny, whether it occurs in the boardroom or elsewhere. So it's about understanding at that level for the people around you. Secondly, for women themselves and for those experiencing menopause, this is very much about saying, this is my menopause, not, oh no, this is my menopause and it's really tough and I'm really struggling. Believe me, I've had to learn this the hard way because when you're having a massive hot flush, really that's your response. Your mammalian brain is going, oh, I'm so hot, I don't know what to do. And you're, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's going to go away. But actually what we should be saying is, this is menopause, this is how it's showing up. There is little I can do about it, but in this instance, but this is what I'm doing around about it. This is how I'm taking control. I might not be able to stop me sweating in this moment, but absolutely these are the things that I'm doing to take control of this. This is what I expect of you in return, Mm -hmm. and this is how we're going to move forward with it. That sounds far more powerful, far more... Um, able than oh my god oh my god I'm so hot I don't know how to deal with this we as people who are experiencing this need to take accountability for our part of this deal we are negotiating here and we need to employ our business brain as much as we do our emotional brain in this in this instance Mm. and on the flip side of that when you're working with you know lots of of companies and and people given that there are 40 plus very diverse menopause symptoms just to kind of give some examples for people listening what are some of the different ways that you've seen that companies have successfully supported people going through this like some of the different kind of tactics or, or ideas that they've come up with yeah so I think first of all first and foremost awareness it's always about conversation first culture has to be inclusive of menopause full stop end of story secondly it's about offering support so that is medical support so that people can go and get the medical assistance should they wish to go down the medical route then they can go and get hrt should they need it um and that it sounds like a small thing but it's incredibly important because women can go to a doctor 10 times before they get on average before they get any support I myself it took me four years four GPs and three nurse practitioners so the hours of returning to the to the doctor saying please help me please help me please help me that is huge But during that time, your performance is degrading as you're going through it. Your confidence is being impacted as you're going through it. If you can nip that in the bud, 
give people access to medical support, they can do it immediately, they can get the support they need and they can just keep going. Mm. They also need psychological support because anxiety and depression and panic attacks and the loss of confidence that comes with so many of these symptoms, that needs addressing as well. Um, It's an issue at this time of life. It's uh, the peak for suicide for women is during menopause years. Mm. And we need to take it very seriously. The Samaritans, every, I don't know, every year or so, they, they release these stats and we're at our most vulnerable at this time in our lives. So we do need to take this seriously. On a, as far as the, the environments that we work in, we need to understand that it can be very difficult to work in certain spaces um, and we need to incorporate that in how we actually have our office environments. So cool spaces, warm spaces, these are important. Spaces to go and calm down, quiet, calm spaces. And I don't mean the multi-faith room and I don't mean the filing cabinet <laughs> or the stationery, or the stationery cupboard, you know, they are not the places. Not the calmest of spaces no. to be locked in. <laughs> no. So you need places to go and kind of breathe and chill out. Um, and then there are things like if you wear uniforms, have lots of, cop- of, lots of versions of the uniform so that there are n- multiple symptoms which benefit from having easy clean, easy dry uniforms. I know in, in many of the creative industries that's not the case. You've got people working your receptions, you've got security guards, all of those sorts of things. Those people are wearing uniforms, maybe even the people who do your cleaning and your facilities, absolutely, they're wearing uniforms, and you need to incorporate those. But then it starts to get into the things that mean that you see someone, you see them going through this, and that's things like mindfulness. It's things like... Uh, places to go and talk about it to share this experience with other people going through it so it's about saying I I recognise you this is tough and we offer this for you and they make all the difference Mm. those creative sort of human approaches that recognise that we're fallible and we do need support those things are the things that make the difference. And proactive. You yeah. Know, not, not necessarily requiring yeah. everyone to come to you and say, but making, signposting it incredibly clearly so that someone knows where they can go should they be going through it. And I think, just to pick up on that, that's really important. Creating that signpost and opening that pathway is one of the most important things that an employer can do because it says, come this way. Mm. I'm listening, I can hear you, and I'm prepared to listen further. And you haven't got that. When you haven't got the signpost, when you haven't got the pathway, it's an enormous struggle for someone who's already debilitated as far as their sort of resources are concerned. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about data. I'm thinking that maybe there's a very hard-headed person listening who's wondering exactly why it is they should really, really care. And I mean, I know why it is they should really, really care. You know why it is they should really, really care. But from a, a business perspective, 
what is the key data that companies should be looking at to determine how menopause is affecting them and the policies that they need to be bringing in? Okay, so when I look at data, I look at data to see um, how women are recruited, Mm. promoted, and how they leave, and when they leave. Because if somebody can't come and say, I'm menopausal and I need some support, they're certainly not going to say it in their exit interview. So you have to look at your data to find out what's going on because your data has all the information and it's it's like this mine of amazingness that we're just not using. So if you're a data analyst, that'll be like a joy. It's about looking at your data to understand what's happening with your workforce and it will give you the information you need. So another issue that we're seeing is menopause-related tribunal claims. There was an increase of 44% in 2021 compared to 2020. And MPs this year also called for an amendment to the Equalities Act to make menopause a protected characteristic. Amazingly, it isn't already. Mm -hmm. What do you think the potential issues are for companies that don't take action now to put policy in place around menopause? Okay, so what policies do is they create a guideline for people to work to, an expectation of behaviours, of um, understanding, of support. And if you don't have that, then people are wandering around guessing, essentially, what they should do. And some people will do very well and others will not. Um, And it's the the ones who are doing very well, sadly, are not training and informing the ones who are not. Um, So for those organisations who aren't taking this seriously, should we find that menopause becomes a, a protected characteristic then what will happen is that tribunals will become even more common than they are today because people can come forward and say and if if they're collecting data and evidence now they'll be in a position to very quickly go to tribunal Mm. and realistically no organization wants to get to tribunal no and also when we talk about the kind of wider education piece Policy and education hopefully go hand in hand. Yep. And when you think about your common you know, manager who's going to be expected to be the front line for these things, in order for them not to feel a potential immense ar- amount of fear around speaking about these things, they've got to have something to, to look to, to to guide them in the conversations that they hopefully will now be having. Absolutely. And I think it's one of the the things that many organisations fall down on. Mm. So they'll do basic awareness training, but they won't specifically look at managers. Managers are busy. They've got lots to do. There's lots of expectations on them. And... um, they're driving the culture within their team. They're driving the way that we their team talks to each other and the way that in individuals are treated within that tra- team. P- 
policies, awareness, education, they absolutely have to have focused and specific training for them so that they know what's expected of them, how best to support people in this situation, whether you know it becomes a protected characteristic or not. Mm. I think, well, because we're a recruitment company, maybe it might be nice to round it up on a, on a talent-related question. In your experience, what are the talent acquisition and retention implications of providing menopause support, both policy and education? Okay, so if you are having a situation where you are, um, you talk about menopause, it's an everyday subject, the door is open and you offer support, what that does is it creates an environment that encourages those people who are either experiencing it or going to experience it to stay. It creates loyalty. If people feel that they are valued, then they stay. And by staying, what they are doing is they're keeping their knowledge, their ability and their networks within that organisation. But also they're mentoring the younger generation coming up through the organisation. And even before you get to that, if women want to see women, that's the basic point in this. If women are in the senior leadership team, then young women thinking about joining that organisation will think there's an opportunity for them they can succeed in this space so they will apply for that job yeah so quite often we don't even know the impact of it but if there's no women in the senior leadership team and i don't mean neds non-executive directors i mean senior leadership team um, if there are women in the senior leadership team then young women are looking in going yeah I, i think i can join there yeah representation at every step of the way well kate thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been such a pleasure to have you thank you it's been great